You're listening to the French Press Podcast, where we discuss events from our lives. Welcome to the French Press Podcast. This is episode 238. And it's Tuesday, June 19th, 2018. We didn't even get to tease this special episode because we didn't have an episode last week. But Mr. Dave is on the podcast. Mr. Dave, it's so good to have you again. Thank you. It's good to be here. And I'm a little bit worried that we're using all of you up in the summer and that we won't get you again over the school year. Is that, do you see, do you think that's how it's going to go? Yes. Uh, well, then we'll use every, up every bit of you that we can. All right. What uh, but of course, Mr. Dave... Mr. Davis here for another weird story from history. We've got a little... Jeff. We've got, we've got food food from Jeff, and we've got a tease from Layton, which oh. you can give now. Oh, should I? Okay. Well, Ruben, I have a, I have a lament. I have a review. I have a product review and a lament intertwined into one segment. Ooh. One piece of content. Multi-segmented But we don't get content. it this week. No. Because, next week. Because this week is chock full of Mr. Dave's Weird Story from chuck History. Chock full or chock full? Both. Chuck and chock. <laughs> it's double the double the dose. Anyway. Uh, Look at what Carmen has done to you, Ruben. <laughs> and of course I got married since last week's episode, so we'll talk a little bit about the wedding as well. Chuck and, I, and Chuck. And I want to talk, talk about the honeymoon as well. We went to Lake Tahoe, and it is absolutely beautiful place. You have to go. Anyway, now that we've got all the, now that we've got topics, that out of the way. all the topics covered, let's start with our weird story from history. Mm. All right. Well, today I'm going to be telling you a story um, about a man named Charles Guiteau, and this is kind of similar to the last one in that it's kind of a political politics vein and actually takes place in a very similar time period um, over the 18, late 1870s to 1880s. So Charles Guiteau was one of those people who does a lot of stuff and he fails at a lot of stuff. Um, he had tried theology, failed at that, tried to be a lawyer, failed at that, tried to be a bill collector, failed at that, um, spent time in a utopian community, failed at that. <laughs> And but he 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 had these illusions of grandeur, and he really would, would kind of sell himself out to the stuff, and then it would go poorly, and then he'd try something else. Um, and so he was a Republican, and he was a supporter of Ulysses S. Grant. Now he was the sitting president. This was the late 1870s. Um, but if you remember from the story about Isaac Gray, Grant had a lot of scandals. He was kind of becoming less popular. The Republican Party was kind of fracturing. People were splitting off, trying new parties, that sort of thing. And so, but Guiteau was, was pro-Grant, and so he actually um, had written a speech called Grant versus Hancock. Hancock would have been the Democratic nominee. Uh, however, Ulysses S. Grant didn't even win the nomination for the Republicans because he was so disgraced, and um, so James Garfield became the Republican nominee. And so Guiteau just basically took his speech and erased everywhere where it said Grant and just wrote in Garfield. So now it was Garfield versus Hancock. 
Um, and so he just saw this was the best speech. He, he tried to sign on as a campaigner for the Republicans, but he never actually gave the speech anywhere. He printed out several hundred copies and, and kind of distributed them, but it was still very ineffective. The, the speech was just a dud. It, w- it was nothing. Um, and wait, wait, wait. He never gave it. But he handed it out. He handed out a bunch of copies of it, but he never actually gave it verbally to oh, okay. a crowd of people. And okay. so it, it was just nothing. And even the the actual content was terrible because Grant and Garfield were two totally different people. You know, you can't just erase a name and, and put the other one in there. It just didn't work. But Gateau convinced himself that he was pretty much responsible for the fact that James Garfield had won the presidency. So... He thought, hey, because I was so involved here, I should be awarded some kind of diplomatic post. So back then, the ambassadorship was kind of was called a consulship. Um, and so he thought, well, hey, you know what? I was so important here. I, I want to be the, the diplomat to Vienna, but I'll settle for Paris. So I, I'm just going to hang out here at the Republican headquarters in New York City and just kind of wait for the rewards for my speech, for my vital assistance to just kind of roll in. Well, it didn't. And, and so he waited around New York City for a while, and then nothing happened. And so finally, after the day after Garfield was inaugurated, Guiteau went to Washington. And he actually got into the White House. Back then, it was pretty simple. Uh, in fact, there were, some Republi- there were some presidents who back then would actually have to leave the White House and go somewhere else to get work done. Because so many people would come in and want to talk to him and things like that, that they couldn't do anything. Um, so he came in, talked to the president. He dropped a copy of the speech off of the president. You know, just kind of remind you, President Garfield, this is, this is what I did for you. Just, just so you know. And he actually spent the next two months just kind of hanging out in Washington, roaming around. So he would he would kind of like dine and dash but at, at like boarding houses, rooming houses, that sort of thing, you know, so he'd kind of sneak out from here and there and, and because he had no money, he didn't have a job. He was just waiting to be rewarded for the speech. It sounds like he is an 1800s version of a hippie. Kind of, but, he, but <laughs> I, I, it was more, I think kind of that idealist, like mm. the, the type of hippie maybe that would like chain themselves to a tree, you know, and then they just <laughs> cut it down anyway. <laughs> That kind of hippie. Like, it was... It was sure. Yeah. Cool. So, so he, he roams around, not paying for meals, not paying for lounging. Um, he would just kind of hang out in hotel lobbies, looking at newspapers, writing letters to people he thought could help him get this appointment, and, and kind of looking for anybody who could help him. Um, and so he would, he would go to the White House all the time, badger them. He'd go to the State Department, badger them, um, and, and go to cabinet members, other Republicans, like, hey, you know, when am I going to get this? this reward well of course he he had no money and so he started you know increasingly like becoming more slovenly he's wearing the same clothes every day you know he's probably not bathing very often etc and so finally two months later on may the 13th of 1881 he's actually banned from the white house waiting room they're like you you cannot come in here and just hang out here every day Mm -hmm. you're you're out and the next day he uh, saw the secretary of state james blaine who told him never speak to me again of the paris consulship as long as you shall live now a little backstory on gateau in 1875 his family actually had judged him to be insane and so they tried to have him committed to a mental mental institution wow but um he escaped and so he was kind of just free range at this point. And so finally, after he met, he was banned from the White House. The Secretary of State said, never speak to me again. Guiteau decided, you know what? I have been commanded by a higher power to kill this ungrateful president. Oh, wow. 
Yeah. And he, he, he later said, I leave my justification to God. So he borrows 15 bucks from a guy, which this would be about 380 to $400 today. He borrows $15 uh, from a relative, and he goes out to purchase a revolver. Now, he didn't know really anything about guns, but he knew he needed a large caliber gun. So he um, went out and bought a four forty two. Uh, Webley British Bulldog Revolver. Now, there were two options. One had a wooden handle, and one, for a dollar more, had an ivory handle. And he really wanted the ivory handle because he thought it would look better in a museum after this assassination. <laughs> and and he couldn't actually afford the extra dollar because he only had 15 and not 16. But the store owner kind of felt bad for him, and so he dropped the price. And so he got this revolver with the ivory handle. Um, and so he... Uh, he spent the next few weeks target practice um, and almost knocked him over the first time he fired it. Um, and then when he wasn't practicing with his gun, he was stalking Garfield, the president, trying to kind of figure out his... And what caliber was that again? I, I want to look up a picture just so I kind of have an idea. Sure. Uh, it was a four forty two. Um, there's actually a picture here of the hmm. revolver. Okay, so it's uh, it's not a long gun, but it definitely Correct. you can see it has a, a... It's a sizable round. Right. Definitely. Definitely a big round. Um so he, he also started writing letters uh, to the president saying, hey, you should fire your secretary of state or you're all going to regret it. Totally got ignored. I mean, they, they would get letters from him and just put it, you know, put him through the shredder, essentially, because they knew who, who he was. Uh, he wrote, he, he was really well prepared um, in his plan. He wrote to um, William Tecumseh Sherman, the commanding general of the U.S. Army, saying, hey, um, after I kill the president, there's probably going to be an angry mob, so I'm just asking for some protection from the army after I kill the president. <laughs> um, he, he wrote other letters to people saying, hey, I'm doing this to kind of help heal the Republican Party, because Garfield was, was kind of on one side, and Grant's supporters were on the other, and it was kind of a fracture, and so he thought, well, hey, if we get the next guy in, Chester Arthur, we'll kind of heal everything. Um, he also went to the, the D.C. jail and said, hey, can I take a tour? Because he figured I'm going to be here pretty soon. I want to know what it's like. Um, and, and so he basically spent the whole month of June following Garfield around. Um, in fact, in, on one occasion, he actually trailed him to the train station. But then um, the president was with his wife. And his wife was in pretty poor health. And so Guiteau thought, well, I don't want to upset her by shooting him in front of her. So I'm just going to wait for a little while um, to do that. So... Garfield was scheduled to leave Washington on July the 2nd, 1881, for a summer vacation. And back then they would publish that, you know? Oh, yeah, president's going to take the train, you know, on the 2nd and, and head on out. And so Guiteau just hung out at the railroad station, just kind of like, okay, let's wait for the president. Now, back then, they didn't have security around him. So he had, it was Garfield, a couple of his sons, that Secretary of State, James Blaine, and actually the Secretary of War, who was Lincoln's son. They were at the president, like, okay, see you later for the summer, head on out. And um, so as Garfield comes into the waiting room of the station, Guiteau just stepped up, pulled the trigger from behind him, and shot him two times. One of the bullets grazed the president's shoulder, but the other one got him in the back and missed the spinal cord, but kind of went, you know, went in and lodged in his body. So, Guiteau puts the pistol back in his pocket, turns around and leaves. He had a cab waiting for him. He was, he was pretty prepared. Uh, but as he's running out of the station, he actually runs into a cop 
who had heard the gunfire, and so the cop arrests him. But the cop was so excited about arresting the guy that had shot the president that he forgot to take the gun um, until they actually got back to the police station. And he was like, oh, I should probably get this guy's gun. <laughs> uh, so things are a little bit different. Um, and so there, there was a gathering crowd screaming about lynching him and things like that. Um, but they did they took him to the police station pretty quickly. And as he surrendered, um, Guteau started shouting, I am the stalwart of stalwarts, um, which meant he was a supporter of Grant. Those supporters were called stalwarts. And uh, he said, I did it, and I want to be arrested. Arthur is president now. And so for a while, people thought, oh, the vice president was involved in this because it seems like the assassin wanted him to be involved. But they, they figured out pretty quickly that it wasn't it wasn't anything like that. Um, so, like I said, you know, he, he had these delusions that he was going to heal the Republican Party and just bring the country back together and they can move on. Now, James Garfield, he, he's, he's conscious, but he's in shock. They carry him upstairs to, on the train station. And back then, they were just determined, we've got to get the bullet out. That's like number one thing, get the bullet out. And, um, of course, his, his sons are upset. Um, obviously, Abraham Lincoln's father or, or son is, is pretty upset, too. And, and was talked about later how many hours of sorrow he had passed there in D.C. But, anyways, they can't find the bullet, so they carry him back to the White House. And doctors told him, you, you might not survive the night, but he stayed conscious the whole time. Um, and the next morning, he seemed pretty good, you know, for being shot. And so, basically, they start thinking, well, maybe he'll, you know, recover. His main doctor was um, a Dr. Bliss, and they actually would issue pretty regular bulletins to the public. Okay, this is how the president's doing, that sort of thing. I have um, to say, if I would be in, in dire straits, I think having the, a doctor by the name of Bliss would be, would be a good thing. You if would I could think. choose my doctor's name, I'd want to be called Bliss. But he seemed to be kind of ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's find out. <laughs> um, so so um, the president kind of had fevers came and went. He couldn't he couldn't keep down solid foods. He, he ate very little and then just liquids. And and Washington summers get pretty hot, so they actually rigged up an early version of an air conditioner with fans blowing air air over ice you know, towards the president. Um, and doctors just continued to come in and dig around in the wound with their dirty, unsterilized fingers, instruments, that kind of thing, because they wanted to find this bullet. Mm -hmm. And, in fact, Alexander Graham Bell actually uh, came up with a metal detector specifically for finding the bullet inside of Garfield, which would have worked, uh, except for the fact that he was laying on a metal bed. And... Um, Dr. Bliss allowed Alexander Graham Bell to only use the device on his right side where they thought the bullet was, but it was actually on the left side of his body. So they tested later and they could have found that bullet, but they thought it was on the right side of the body. And so the the doctors continue to dig into that side trying to find this bullet. And so in, infection setting in, he starts getting like pus-filled blisters all over the place, abscesses and things, gets blood poisoning, they actually poke a hole in his liver at one point when they're digging for this bullet, um, and so it's it's not, uh, wasn't a good thing. He lost over 70 pounds over the summer, um, and so finally they said, okay, we, we need to get him out of Washington, it's just too hot here, um, and so they actually, they set up a special train tracks to take him off to the Jersey Shore, um, and they kind of propped him up in bed with a view of the ocean, but, you know, he got more infections and eventually died of an aneurysm. He had blood poisoning and pneumonia, and he was just very in very bad health. And so on September 19th of 1881, 
So about two and a half months later, um, Garfield died. Wow. Now, he, he actually died before he even hit 50. Uh, so he and Kennedy would be the only presidents that died before age 50. Um, and most historians and medical experts now think he could have survived this had he had capable doctors. Mm-hmm. But the problem was they didn't need, see any need to prevent infection. They had no idea about sterilizing things. And so, I mean, if, if you use an instrument on one body, you're just going to the next guy, same thing. It's just not, you know, not that big a deal to them. Um, and, yeah, like I said, they, they had basically dug a channel in the other side of his body and your bullet wounds on the left. And anyways, it was kind of a mess. So now the vice president, Chester Arthur, um, when he found out, he was like, oh, I hope it's a mistake. Um, he really, he didn't want to take the presidency. In fact, the cabinet had said, well, he's in pretty bad shape. Maybe you should step up. And Arthur said, no, I don't want anybody to think I'm greedy. I'm just going to wait until and see if he does die. So Garfield gets um, buried in Ohio, where he was from, and so a couple months later, in November, Guiteau goes on trial. Now, he was represented, actually, by his brother-in-law, um, but the media, I mean, number one, it's a guy who assassinated the president, but number two, he's he's quirky, he's interesting, kind of became a media darling. Um, he did several bizarre things during the trial. Uh, number one, he would insult his defense team, just openly. Uh, all of his testimony he formatted in poems. So he'd come up and recite his testimony in, in long poems. Um, and he would even ask for legal advice from spectators in the audience. So he'd like pass notes back to you know spectators and ask for advice and things like that. Um, Guiteau claimed that he was not guilty because uh, Garfield's murder was the will of God. And he was just an instrument of God's will. Uh, He sang John Brown's body to the court. um, And while he was on trial, he dictated an autobiography to the New York Herald and ended it with a personal ad for a nice Christian lady under 30. Uh, (laughs) He was was pretty just oblivious to the fact that America didn't like him very much. Like, they were outraged. I mean, the media was, you know, enjoyed reporting all this, but America Mm -hmm. was pretty upset. Mm and he was actually almost assassinated two times during this uh, trial. And he argued that, you know, I, I admit the shooting, but I deny the killing. Because he said it was the doctors that, that actually killed him. So I'm not guilty of murder, I just shot him. Um, and this was also one of the first high-profile cases where they thought about doing an insanity defense. Um, and so he said, well, I'm legal. I was legally insane, but I'm not, like, medically insane. I was just, like, really upset at the time, essentially. Um, and his lawyers were like, no, you're, you're crazy all the time. And, and so the jury was pretty much like, okay, he's, he's just trying to get out of it. However, you know, he doesn't want to be put away, but he, you know, he, he's just trying to get out of it. And even as the trial went on, he was making plans. Hey, after I get out of this trial, I'm going to go and give speeches around the country. I'm going to run for president in 1884. This is going to be great. Well, so he was pretty upset when the jury was like, no, God didn't tell you to kill the president. You are guilty of murder. And so they find him guilty in January of 1882, and his appeal was rejected. And so on June 30th, 1882, he was actually hanged in the District of Columbia. Um, And now, of course, he couldn't go quietly. So at his execution, Guiteau danced his way up to the gallows, waved to the audience, shook hands with his executioner. And as his last request, he recited a poem that he had written called, I am going to the Lordy. And he had asked for an orchestra to play as he gave this poem, but it was denied. (laughs) (laughs) 
Now, all of this actually was um, instrumental to a passage the next year, actually, of a Civil Service Reform Act, um, along along with grants problems. So basically saying, hey, the way we hire government workers is going to change. It's not going to be based on we're just handing out favors, handing out appointments, that sort of thing. Um, and so Garfield had actually been pushing for this himself. And then this whole assassination and his idea that I should have this job um, kind of made the country say, oh, we should probably change this. Uh, and also, kind of weirdly, in Washington, D.C., there is no plaque or memorial where Garfield was shot. Um, they tore down the, the train station. There is a, there's a statue of him on the grounds of the Capitol, but there's not actually something there at that spot. In uh, the other kind of crazy things is that um okay so lincoln's assassination was only 16 years before this right and then garfield gets assassinated then finally 20 years later when mckinley gets assassinated then congress is like oh maybe they should have more protection and so that's finally when the secret service was, was taken from counterfeiting into presidential protection and kind of that was became their main job so anyways wait so the secret service used to be in charge of counterfeiting? Yes. Their their original responsibility was counterfeit money. And I believe it still is one facet of what they do. But that that service kind of was also tasked with protecting the president, which now is the main thing that they mm-hmm. would do. So so that's the story of Charles Guiteau. I didn't realize that those assassinations were that close together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. <clears throat> ah, well... Again, it's always, uh, yeah, always interesting. Mm-hmm. And you do you do well just at telling a story that it's captivating. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, were there any thoughts or questions, Leighton, Jeff? Um, it's an interesting story, yeah, to say the least. I, yeah, you would have thought that the doctors, after, like, so long of not finding anything, would have, like, thought, well, maybe it was over there. Mm-hmm. But, hey. There's there's been this push in the media recently, at least the media that I listen to or follow, to not name you know some of the mass murderers. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you could see like that was kind of a push of him was to be famous, mm-hmm. definitely, and to, and to be known. And I yeah, it's just I, I do think that is a key. And I mean, I, I think he was, I mean, he, he was nuts. Yeah, he was pretty insane. I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, wow. All right. Interestingly, I was in Indianapolis last weekend. And walked past the uh, Capitol building, and I just had to imagine, like, all these dudes out there mm, mm-hmm. fighting, <laughs> duking it out from our last story. Nice. And, yeah, it was just a, yeah interesting perspective of the place. Right. The train station, is that close to the White House, or... It is actually very close to where the National Archives now, so it, it'd actually be kind of on on the mall um, between the Smithsonian and the Capitol, if you can kind of visualize mm. a big main stretch. Um, so it's, I would say it's about halfway between the Capitol and the White House. Okay. So. All right, well, we were sipping on coffee through the story. Yeah. Let's talk about that, and then we'll talk about the big day from uh, a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. We should talk about the uh, cake with the coffee because it was supposed to go together. Okay. Although it Oops. Didn't. <laughs> you guys well, ate uh, it. Yeah, so <laughs> t- t- tell us about it. Tell, uh, t- first, tell me what you think of this coffee. It's good and solid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it, does it have a little bit of an acid 
or is it just my my mm-hmm. stomach today? A little bit of acid, I'd say. But uh, but it is yeah, I, I do like it. It's good. Mm-hmm. It's not flavored, which is great. Yeah. I, I more and more I like flavored coffee. Oh, Layton, don't no, fall I, into that I, trap. There's only I, some I flavored coffee hard. that's okay, but but most flavored coffee is not okay. It's just it's not that unflavored coffee is bad. But it's just boring. You know, I think there's, there's just no character there. I it's think the reason flavored like, coffee, oh, either normal tasting coffee or it's a bad cup of coffee. Right. Yeah. It's there's just so little character. I think maybe the reason that flavored coffee isn't most times isn't quite as good is because it gives the coffee makers an excuse to use less than quality coffee or lower quality coffee because they can mask any bad flavors with whatever flavoring they put in. I don't know. That's just personal thought. Impossible. I just enjoy the flavor of coffee more yeah. than I do the flavor of cinnamon or chocolate yeah. or caramel or, or whatever. You Good eat. coffee, that is. Yeah. So this is El Salvadoran coffee from oh. Embassy Coffee Company in uh, Goshen. Nice. And I had heard about this place before, but I never was there. And then I, uh, I don't know, it was like probably three weeks ago was up in Goshen and decided to check it out. Is it so, the an embassy to El Salvador? Maybe. Actually, they just have different coffees from around the world. They have no flavored coffees. They do not make flavored coffees. They roast everything in-house. Wow. Um, I met the owner when I was there. It was kind of cool. Um, Did you get a sponsorship? I didn't. I should have. You fool! <laughs> but, yeah, but they, like, they're very, like... Um, I don't know, hipster in their coffee, I would say. Like, like it's got the hipster vibe to it. Um, they brew everything pour over. And a lot of Chemex. No, there's no Chemex there. No, I they, use, Chemex was they use the Kalita. They use the Kalita series oh, I see. pour overs. And they also have nitro cold brew on tap, which is kind of cool. Good. Nice. So it doesn't look like you can buy this coffee online? I don't know. I, I'm, I on their, I'm on their website now. Did you I check embassy.com? Uh, embassycoffeeco.com. Oh. I would think that you could buy it online because their store wouldn't be... They have their prices that here. That much sale. But I don't, I don't see a, w- a play- way to actually buy it. Hmm. Speaking of uh, new places in, in Goshen, has anybody been to the new popcorn store in Goshen? No. There's, um, it's close to the courthouse. It's called Shirley's Gourmet Popcorn. I think yeah, it's actually I saw a chain. It, but I never actually... It's a chain. Was at it. Yeah, there's a chain. I think it's out of Ohio, so it's kind of a, one of those Midwestern small chains but anyways very good stuff um i mean it can get pretty pricey if you get into the upper end but um one i recommend is the buckeye so it's got like the chocolate and peanut butter on mm. caramel corn mm. that actually sounds so really good. good and you can actually you can buy like a tin that then when you take it in and get it refilled it's like half the price huh. so if you're willing That's to kind of cool. make that first investment it's it's a lot better deal so yeah and yeah, do they have your normal uh, kettle corn as well. Yeah, I mean they've got all sorts of flavors, um, and and at varying price levels. Some of the you know the like the basic caramel, basic you know cheese that sort of stuff is is a more basic price, and then they you know cheese. add stuff to it. Yeah, yeah like cheese popcorn. Cheese, really? cheese flavored popcorn. You never had yeah. cheese popcorn? Yeah, like, yeah. Like they, they, yeah, like it's yeah, like a, like the powdered nacho cheese, kind of like like Dorito dust, but on popcorn. It okay. comes in those big tins. They that have you get somebody for in the back oh, from yeah. Yeah. Okay. Doritos. Yeah. <laughs> And they also do um, the Chicago mix, which I mean, a lot of people do that, but it's it's the cheese popcorn, but with caramel corn. Ooh. So you kind of got the sweet salty. It's, it's pretty mm. good. It's, yeah, it's very snackable. We uh, what what kind of price range are we talking here? Like, what's the more expensive popcorns that you can think of? 
Well, I, I'm saying like they have a whole variety of different like sizes and things like that. But oh, I, okay. you know, I'm saying like for a so quantity makes more of a difference than the actual flavor. No, the flavor definitely makes more of it. Like the the ones with like the chocolate drizzle and the caramel drizzles, drizzles and the mints and the sprinkles and the you know all the different things they put on it mm. that definitely adds to the price. So those are probably twice as much as like your more basic like. Just cheese, basic cheese, cheese, or cheese, cheese popcorn. popcorn, that sort of thing. So. Okay. Anyways, check it out. That would be Jeff. a good thing to sample. Yeah, that's your assignment. Yes, Jeff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that's your homework for next week. Homework for next week. Uh, anyway, tell us about the cake. This. Yeah, like, yeah the cake. So I was actually early today. Surprise, surprise. Uh, and Ruben was late. And Ruben was late. So today. we kind of flipped roles here. Um, although I am usually here before Layton. Yeah. But that's beside the point. <clears throat> uh, so I was like, you know what? I have time. There's nobody here. So I went to Rise and Roll, which is just down the road. And I've always wanted to try their cake. So I got some of their cake. And today, this was the um, white crunch cake, which I actually thought was really good. I am pleased with the taste. The mm-hmm. flavor is great. Mm-hmm. The cake is a little bit... Uh, it's not fluffy. Mm-hmm. It it's tastes, more of a it's dense. Like a, it's it's like a very pound dense. Cake. Yeah, it was yeah. Good, definitely. But, but it was it was like moist. almost frozen when I got it. Like it wasn't frozen, but it was really cold. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the only thing that I would say that could you could po- the only way you could possibly improve this cake is if it wasn't so yeah, like you said, dense, mm-hmm. a fluffier, lighter cake. But the taste is great. Mm-hmm. I mean, that it, it was pretty much like sweet. Just all the way through. I mean, kind of. You can't it, go wrong. With and and I'm yeah. saying that's a bad thing, but there was it wasn't like nuanced mm. at all. It was just this is just, just straight up sugar frosting on a so, on a sugar cake. It was it was good. It was I, I was reading on Reddit today, cholesterol. and somebody asked the question: <laughs> Why is restaurant food always better than food at home? Than food that you make at home? Why does it always seem better? And the answer was. That they use a ton of butter and sugar, like way more than you would use if you were making the food yourself. Are and you sure? they said like bigger restaurants, like the chain restaurants or whatever, usually will use about a stick of butter per plate. Oh, like w- w- in whatever they're making for you, there there's usually almost a stick of butter, a full stick of butter involved Jeff, in that food. New assignment. I think we need to send you undercover to one of the local <laughs> restaurants, maybe Hunters. <laughs> And you need to and find out if this is the truth. But it is true because, like, like when I make steak at home, I when I sous vide it, I put butter in there, and it is incredible what a difference it makes. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just insane. It, it improves the flavor so much. Scrambled eggs, when you're, you know, you put the, the eggs and maybe milk or cottage cheese or something in there to kind of whip it together, put butter in there. Mm. Yeah, and then whip that all in. Mm. It, it makes a huge difference. It's so annoying how the unhealthy things in life are the best. Why? Well, so you know, you like put a little spinach in there, you know, something, mm. something, something to balance, balance, yeah, out. Yeah, balance out the butter. Balance your butter. <laughs> uh, no, that is interesting. All right, let's talk about my big day. Yeah, Ruben's big fat See, last time. Wedding. Last time we teased the food, and it, it was a really cool idea what you guys did. Yeah, we had food trucks yeah. for our food. So instead of it, uh, instead of having servers help with serving the food, instead of having someone <laughs> prepare the food, Layton just goes and <laughs> throws frosting throws on the floor. On the floor. <laughs> no, we had uh, two food trucks uh, set up. Ricky's Taqueria is a Mexican taco place mm-hmm. in Elkhart, which I frequent. 
and Holy Smokes, which I think is out of Goshen, maybe. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not sure where they're out of, but I don't think I've ever had Holy Smokes before, but it was really good. It was really good. It was not to mention dope. the choices were limited. Well, that was by design. The design uh, we limited them on purpose because we didn't want people to have to make a decision. We just wanted them to be able to walk up as quickly as possible, grab their food, and go. Right. Uh, but, but, however, the, but it was more limited than you were yeah, planning on. Yeah, the options were a little more limited than what we were planning on. Hmm. Our Mexican food truck decided to not show up on the day of our wedding. Thankfully, Holy Smokes had, we had told them how many people to expect, and we had told each of them about half the total people. However, Holy Smokes had prepared for a lot more people, just in case. Mm-hmm. And it's a good thing he did, because he was the only food truck that showed up that day. Oh no! And he was, uh, he was busting his butt and uh, yeah. to, to get food out in time. It, because it, it was, was just him and his daughter, right? Yeah, yeah. And so people pitched in to help too, which which made it go faster too. I saw some of the guests pitch in, which made me feel good that we had such capable guests. Mm. Oh yeah. Very was this flexible. was this something that you were aware of early on in the day, or other people were stressing about, and you were just kind of like, we? I didn't know about it until we got the re- the the wedding. Uh, ceremony was at Sandy Ridge, and then the re- reception was at my parents' place, which is mm-hmm. about two and a half miles uh, down the road from mm-hmm. Sandy Ridge. And, and we didn't know about it until we got there. Mm-hmm. When we pulled in, the bridal party pulled in, I was looking and I saw Holy Smokes and an ice cream truck or trailer, mm-hmm. but I did not see a third truck or trailer. So that was the first we knew about it. Our wedding coordinator knew about it a little bit earlier because she was uh, kind of waiting, expecting them to show up an hour, two hours beforehand, and they never did, was trying to get hold of them. But communication is not a uh, strong key for Ricky's Taqueria. They make great tacos. Uh, they make even better quesadillas if anyone does want to try them out. But communication is towards the bottom of their <laughs> list of things they do well. Yeah. I, just, I find it so strange that like I'm seeing like a – like a pattern showing up that Mexicans don't show up when you invite them <laughs> and they do show up when you don't invite them. <laughs> oh man. Hmm. What's really frustrating is <laughs> Carmen, she, she went to Ricky's a week before just to make sure, you know, they knew where to go, knew what we were expecting as far as the menu items we had chosen. And yes, they were always good. They were playing on everything and always, yeah. However, always not good. And in fact, when we finally, or we didn't, but our wedding co- coordinator finally did get hold of them, they said, oh, we're so sorry. We lost all your information. We've been trying to get hold of you, and we just couldn't get hold of you. We're so sorry. Which, maybe that is true. And it, they did offer to come. I, I was talking to her, uh, to Catherine, and, and they they did offer to come. Like, they said they'd be there in an hour. And then she just told him no. You yeah, stay. but at that point it would have been yeah, everyone would have eaten already. Right. Uh, we did find someone sent this to Carmen on Facebook. Someone posted. So this is a random person posting on Facebook. Anyone know someone getting married on Saturday, June ninth? I was just at a garage sale site, and a woman who works for Ricky's Taqueria was asking for help. This wedding is supposed to have their truck at the reception, and they lost all info. Also, <laughs> actually, was legit. Well, mm. yeah, it was posted on June 5th, which would have been a few days beforehand. Yeah. Um, but our wedding coordinator was trying to get hold of them two yeah. hours before and right. couldn't get hold of them either. So 
Yes, they probably did lose our information, but they also did a very poor job of responding when information was to be had. It's just amazing how they lost all information. They, like, you had written out a check to them. They knew the date of the wedding. That's <laughs> good. And they knew it was in Indiana somewhere. <laughs> That's <laughs> or they, probably, they, like, they probably right. just assumed it. Here's the thing, though. Okay, I mean, I'm, as someone who's worked in the restaurant business, some of, sometimes... Wait, I'm sorry. Which What restaurant did you work at? Several. Oh. Yeah. You worked at Main Street. Yeah. Uh, actually, yeah. I forgot four, about that. Four restaurants. Main Street, um, Ben's Pretzels in the mall. Uh, I didn't know that. Ben's Bakery in Chipshawana, Wakarisa Bakery in Wakarisa, and uh, Baker's Nook in uh, Elkhart. So, mm. okay. I guess that's five. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's more than <laughs> cool. I thought. Um, right, anywho, yeah. but, but often, uh, some of the bosses I've had... I can see them writing down that information on just a scrap piece of paper somewhere and throwing on a desk that was fairly cluttered. Mm-hmm. And I, I can 100% understand how they lost that information. It doesn't make it excusable, but I can mm-hmm. I can see it. it. It happens more easily than you would think. Okay. All right. All right. Thanks for that input. Uh, They're still horrible people. (laughs) 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 Aside from that, uh, the the wedding day was terrific. It was supposed to rain, and it didn't rain during our reception. It rained just sprinkled a little bit before we were taking pictures, and there was clouds and thunderstorms all around the way it looked anyway. And so we felt very blessed and uh, Mm. that God definitely answered a lot of prayers to not let it rain because it was out, it was an outdoor reception. If, if if I didn't say that before. Anyway. Yeah, it was it was a nice wedding. It was a good wedding. Yeah. I had fun playing giant Jenga. Did you play on the on Saturday or Friday night? Both. Oh yeah. I played Friday night and Saturday while you were out mingling uh, with your guests. Uh, my wife and I left the bridal table and decided we wanted to play some Jenga. <laughs> okay. I had never... Do you know what Jenga is, Mr. Yes. Dave? Okay. I didn't know what it was, but I guess there's a table version and a yard version, and we actually made... Uh, my brothers made the yard version for us. And it was way more fun than I expected. I mean, when I heard about it, it sounded pretty boring to me, but it was actually fun. Mm-hmm. Anyway... I don't, do you guys have any any thoughts? I, I don't really want to. I wasn't really planning on diving into it that much. Mm. Oh. No. I'll talk a little bit about Tahoe. Yeah, talk yeah, about that. Tahoe. We went paddleboarding, uh, stand up paddleboarding, when we got there, and it was so hot. I put thirty SPF sunblock on, and it was not nearly enough. Mm. Not nearly enough. My shoulders are crisp. You know, you know, sunscreen is rated by how long you can use it. Not by how much sun it like it, it is how much sun it blocks, but it like there's a certain time when 30 SPF is no longer effective. Like, yeah, it'll only protect you from the sun for so many for like minutes, an hour. Yeah, it's actually like a a, a time rating rather than a strength rating. Well, how long were you not, paddleboarding? But Jeff, Ruben, huh? Two hours. Oh, yeah, SPF 30 would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, wouldn't it also be affected by the, the UV, how, how high the UV rays were? Uh, I'm, sure it, I'm sure it is somehow, but... <laughs> anyway, regardless, <laughs> it was not nearly enough, and I got burned. But it was so beautiful. The lake, Lake Tahoe, is one of the deepest lakes in the world. Uh, it's the 16th deepest lake, wow. 1,600 feet deep. And the water is so blue... 
it's, it's incredible. When we went to up paddleboarding, we were going out around, and we could see down. It was probably at least 30, maybe even deeper than that. I didn't go back and check how deep it was based off how far out we were, but just a a paradise. I mean, it, it's it's insane. I mean, I if ever anyone thinks about going, that's a destination, uh, potential spot, definitely go there. Um, it's fabulous. And it's cool. It's cool in the shade, hot in the sun. The beaches, it, there's beaches around there, but it's not like Sarasota where it stretches out for a mile. There's yeah. small beaches. There's a handful, but they're pretty small. Some of them are, some <clears throat> of them are only several hundred feet long. But, but it's also then, at least when we went, there weren't a lot of people there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were going right before kind of the tourist season hit, so some people were still in school, wouldn't have been out yet. So... Uh, yeah, it, yeah. It was awesome, and encourage anyone who enjoys sunshine and sun and beaches, but also cooler weather, to go check it out. Yeah. Well, Leighton, maybe we do have time for your. Do we? How many minutes are we in? We're at forty minutes. Forty minutes. All right, but it's. I'm telling you, it's going to open up a big discussion. Okay. Hmm. I, I'm okay with that. I really am. I feel like Mr. Dave could add to this I discussion. Agree. So oh let's go ahead. Right. Let's, let's dive in. <clears throat> Saddle up, boys. All right. Ruben, I am tired of people trumping up the green egg grill as if it is the only grill that a man should use to grill. But, Lane, you can do so many things with it. You can... You can Bake a pizza. I know. You can steam pork. You can bake cookies. I know. You can I fry. Know. You can fry eggs. Let me let me go back some years. You and can I don't just know. let it sit there and watch the smoke come out. I don't know when this you can, was. You can warm yourself around a green egg. <laughs> I, I I don't know when this was, but I I think at some point somebody said, "Hey, why doesn't someone make a grill that works like an oven?" And you would think, oh, and that's that's what the green egg is, right? No, it's not. How many ovens do you know that you have to, like, feed charcoal into it manually and try to, like, get the vent on the top and the vent on the bottom just right so that you can wait 30 minutes to get it to the temperature that you want it at? How many ovens are there? If there would be one, you for sure wouldn't pay upwards of a thousand dollars for it because you think <laughs> I think that's, this on, the, that's oven on the sucks. that's on the lower I think that's on the lower end. That's on the lower end of the green egg. No, but it's the suckiest oven ever. I thought there were several thousand. <laughs> no, oh. no, no, the the small one is like four fifty maybe. Yeah, but the smallest one is like it is really the small. smallest of small. But like a large, I think a large is around seven hundred. It's almost the size of an actual egg, <laughs> <laughs> like an ostrich egg or something. You've got the well, pink egg. I do think they're a bit overpriced. <laughs> so, Layton, what alternative? I mean, is there an alternative? Is there, there is, is an there, alternative. Is there something movie. better? There is something I don't know about better, but. I'm telling you that I, I, I will 100% admit that a green eggs flavor is definitely superior to a gas grills flavor. I, I will admit that for sure. But I do not think it is worth all the extra money and all the extra hassle of having to figure out your green egg grill. 
But I have seen men, grown men, who have tried to host parties and have failed miserably. Not because they're not good guys. These are good, <laughs> good, virtuous men who love their families. But, but they botched it up, not because of their values, but because of their grill. <laughs> but how do you – what kind of a grill – okay, you like the flavor right. of the charcoal. Yep. And the other option to keep things simple and fast is gas, obviously. But right. you, you don't seem to be a fan of that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. is there something in between? Is There There is. There is a happy compromise. A in happy both compromise. Quality of flavor and also quality of value. Quality of value. <laughs> There is, and it's called a Green Mountain Grill. Now, yeah, I know that, what you're thinking. That sounds like a spinoff of the Green Egg. It does. It does. But let me tell and you. it is. Except it's totally not. <laughs> it is a totally new thing. It's not like the gray acorn or like. No, the, the what are those red ones called? The red ones. Yeah, what are they called? Komodos? Yeah. Uh, Komodos? No. It oh. starts with a K. Komodo. Comatose. It doesn't matter. I don't know. Anyways, no, this is not a ceramic grill. This is a pellet burning grill. It has a little auger that feeds the pellets automatically, and you set the temperature. It has a little. It has a little display. You choose the temperature, and it will get itself there. You don't have to fuss with it. Yeah, you have to wait a little bit of time. You have to wait a little bit, but it'll get itself there. You don't need to stop what you're doing. You don't need to drop everything, and like. Try to fiddle with your grill so that supper's ready on time. No, you can start up your grill, and then you can go about getting your other food ready, or if you have some other chores you need to wrap up, you can do that, and it'll be ready in like 20 minutes or so. But get this. I will one-up you, Ruben. You're a techie guy. You love tech. Mm -hmm. And in the 21st century, it is time to stop acting like we're cavemen using charcoal and flint and steel. All right? <laughs> We're modern. So why not just use your phone to start up your grill? And why doesn't your grill just send you a notification that lets you know that your grill is up to temp? Wow. Why not? Why not? Let's do that with a Green Mountain Grill. <laughs> yeah, it's legit. It has their own that's, app. That's pretty cool. It has its own app. That's do they have cool. an Android app? Yes. I'm, sure I'm pretty sure. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm sure they do. They would lose a massive market if they wouldn't. Green Mountain Grill, you can – now, I did – there is one caveat to this. You can turn off your grill with the app. You can set the temperature with the app. You can set the food temperature. It has a probe built in. You can stick the probe in with your food so you can see your grill temperature and your food temperature. You can set timers on the app. You can even turn the flashlight on and off with the app. Yeah, it's legit. You can make profiles, which is kind of like recipes. And these profiles will follow a step-by-step pre-like thing. So I I have, like, for my smoked ribeyes, I have it set to 150 degrees for at least two hours. You grill, you you smoke it for two hours, and then it will automatically go up to 450 degrees. Now, does this also control vents, or does it control the temperature strictly by putting more pellets uh, it, more pellets, and it also has a built-in fan that like blows over the flames. I think you can kind of hear okay. the, yeah. the fan blowing into the, pellet, okay. the fire. It sounds great, but one thing that always worries me about this many uh, different moving parts is that it's going to break down, and that 
uh, it's going to need a lot of maintenance. Don't to, worry. To keep it working. It has a two-year warranty. And guess what? Okay, here, here's here's the alternative as far as pellet pellet grills go. The other like big name pellet grill is a Traeger, and Traeger has its own brand. Now Green Mountain has its own brand as well of pellets. Tra- Traeger has its own brand of pellets. Green Mountain has its own brand of, of pellets. But if you use any other brand other than Traeger brand pellets in a Traeger grill, it voids your warranty. Green Mountain Grill lets you use whatever pellets you want. Wow. Hmm. And also, a Traeger doesn't have Wi-Fi built in to (laughs) its grill. Do you have to pay? You said it works over the internet. Yes. Do you need to pay a subscription? No. Wow. You connect it to your home Wi-Fi, and from there, it connects to their servers, and then you can control uh, over your cellular connection. You can control your grill. But I did find out there is one caveat to this. You cannot turn on your grill over the cellular connection. Okay. But you can over Wi-Fi? You have to be connected to the same Wi-Fi network as what the grill is connected to. Yeah. Because you wouldn't want... But I did smoke smoke ribeyes while I was at church, and I was, like, monitoring. (laughs) That is not a good thing to do. That is very distracting. During a church service, you're, like, watching your food. But I did... You can turn it off over cellular data. But once it's off, you you can't turn it on again until you get home. Yeah. Well, it, it sounds great, but really, to, for me to know that this is a good quality buy, I'd have to sample some of off- course, some of offerings. Course. I wouldn't expect anything else. All right. So when can we expect some sampling? Uh, at some point in the future. <laughs> wow. Sometime this summer. I promise. Great. All right. Well, that sounds exciting. Mr. Dave, do you have any thoughts on, on grilling? What's your opinion about the green egg or about pellet stove or just grilling in general? I have actually never had food off of a green egg. What? <gasps> Okay, I'm not. It's not worth it. Just get a green mountain. <laughs> Here's the advantage of green egg. Yeah, in my Jeff. opinion, I am like I'm not a diehard green egg fan, but I'm a diehard hardwood charcoal fan because in a green egg you use hardwood charcoal, and the flavor that is derived from the hardwood charcoal is phenomenal. It is superior to all other grill flavors, in my opinion, which is why I like it so much. But then there's also several other brands of grills that use hardwood charcoal as well. And so, like, I'm not, like, super biased, but. Well, you've got someone to <clears throat> impress, Leighton. Yeah. Well, and in, in, on both sides of my family, they're more into the smokers. So I've had some of that stuff. I'm not sure which brand, but, yeah. So really? I don't know. I, I don't run in a green egg circle, I guess. <laughs> so. what, uh, what What is your, uh. I mean, you use a gas grill then, or what, what's your grill? We actually don't own a grill. <laughs> I know. I, Can my I wife... recommend a Green Mountain grill? <laughs> yes, I, I the, will. The smallest, small size, there's three sizes to these things. And the first one is pretty tiny. That's the one that I bought. And it's actually meant for tailgating. It has, two, it oh, has nice. four little stub legs that are supposed to sit on a tailgate. Mm-hmm. But it does have handles that flip down into legs. Okay. But it's still only about table height. Gotcha. So it's not as tall as a normal grill, mm-hmm. but it feeds it feeds two people totally awesome. You can have about two guests, and then your <laughs> grill will be full. Mm-hmm. All right, no, that's good uh, to know. Three hundred fifty bucks on Amazon. It's not that bad on that's Amazon. Wow, it's kind of expensive. Kind of expensive, but also a great way to support the podcast. Yeah, it would yeah. be if you <laughs> smash the link. The small green egg only you could you could barely fit two steaks on it, and it's like four hundred fifty bucks. So yeah. You're getting a good deal. Yeah, it doesn't have Wi-Fi. It doesn't have Wi-Fi. Connection. Yeah. The next size out, the medium size one, is six fifty, and then the biggest one. That's the uh, oh, 
I love the names of the models. The smallest one is called the Davy Crockett, Green Monitor. <laughs> the next one, I think, is the Jim Bowie. And then the next one is the Daniel Boone. <laughs> yeah, it's legit. The, the biggest one is a thousand. Oh, they even have a, and the, but they also have a, a trailer. I see. They have a trailer. A trailer, yeah. So if you're serious about, I don't know, catering or something. There you go. And don't worry, it has all. It has a lot of attachments, like accessories for it. You need you can to get, get a pizza cooker. You can. I, I've done cookies on it, but they did turn into hockey pucks. But that's just because <laughs> I left them on too long. I checked them once. And they're like, oh, they're still, they're still totally doughy. They're not done. Close it up. Hang on, I actually minutes. have to take this call. This is from uh, a tech support for VBS. Oh no! All right. Well, I think we're about <laughs> ready to wrap it up, uh, Mr. Dave. Did you have anything more you wanted to talk about or any thoughts? I don't think so. It's good to be uh, back. We do want to have you on again before sure. before school starts, if possible. So we'll try to schedule that. Layton, anything more from you? Are you finished bragging up the Green Mountain? <clears throat> um. I think that's it, but I I am looking forward to to just experimenting on it. I want to I want to bake some stuff. I, I want to do wings. Uh, that, one other thing, one other thing about it, you can use it as a griller or a smoker. Okay, two for one. One one thing for our listeners, we want to have a name for this segment for Jeff's weird food or weird yeah. snacks I bring. So if you have an idea for that segment. Uh, let us know, and may could have something Jeffy. So it's kind of like Jeffy's weird snacks. It could be something along those here's lines. Here's what I have in mind right now, but I'm not quite satisfied with it. I was thinking about calling it elusive edibles, because it's always going to be some weird food that you can't normally or you don't normally see or is hard to find. What about the dented Jeff? Yeah, <laughs> but I think I think I'm going to run out of um, dented can foods, so I'm probably going to. Also, so you be could, searching online for some like more expensive foods, but that just are weird or not normal. So, if someone has a suggestion, they could message us on yeah, Facebook, yeah, or send an email, mail at frenchpresspodcast dot com. Okay, that's all we've got. Thank you guys for listening. We will be back next week again, and hopefully in a few more weeks, we'll have Mister Dave on again for another weird story from history. And Layton, yes, thank you, Jeff, for pointing at Layton. Layton, what is the point? The point is. Oh, oh no! My, my first—I I didn't know I was going to do the the uh, actual grill segment. Yeah, and it was a combination of trumping up a product while also uh, going on a rant about green eggs, and it was like a twisted segment. And so my point number one is Layton has a twisted segment coming up for next week, <laughs> <laughs> but now it's ruined. <laughs> Anyways, uh, point number two: Jeff is now our official food fetcher. How about food fetching with Jeff? Ooh. I kind of like that for a segment. Food fetching with Jeff. Jeff Jeff's fetches. Uh, <laughs> uh, point number three. Uh, Ricky's Taqueria has bad communication. So let's boycott them. Uh, point number four. Green eggs are a green joke. <laughs> That's it. And what's our word of the week? Um, oh, boy. I think word of the week is green. <laughs> <laughs>